0: It's a Jackalope Carnival. Jack, jack, jackalope. jackalope
1: Carnival. Hi, I'm Becca.
0: Hi, I'm Eric.
1: And you're listening to Season Two, Episode Nine of Jackalope Carnival, a sideshow of stories a bi-weekly podcast where we explore the paranormal, the unusual, and the downright odd. Um, we have something odd for you today.
0: <laughs> we really do, actually. This is this is actually one of my favorite topics, um, and that's urban legends. We're going to talk about the perhaps maybe the most famous or one of the first urban legends. And uh, do you have a favorite urban legend, Becca? then
1: not really, no. Actually, that's an interesting question because I absolutely do not
0: like the the cactus with uh, full of spiders. The guy with the maybe hook in his it's hand. eating
1: Pop Rocks and soda and oh. exploding.
0: Oh, right, that was my that was the 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 urban legend about Mikey from the the kid from the Life cereal commercials when we were kids. I,
1: I I didn't know, but I just heard that you couldn't eat Pop Rocks, the candy, right. and soda, and you'd explode.
0: Turns out, Mikey is alive and well, by the way. Uh, But that was an urban legend about him. Yes. So what is an urban legend? There are a couple of dictionary definitions, but they all seem to center around the same couple of factors. An urban legend is a story that is passed around. It is often difficult to trace the origin of the story, although that's pretty much exactly what we're trying to do today with this particular one urban legend. But they're often difficult to track down. They're told as if they are true, although often there aren't details that are verifiable. And the story subject tends to be lurid or strange. That's what most of the dictionary definitions of urban legends say. And in my experience, it's stories that usually start with, this didn't happen to me, but a friend of a friend, or my uncle's cousin's mother's brother, or whatever. Uh, And those stories, I remember when I was younger especially, kind of um, listening with rapt attention about them. I don't know if they aren't as popular as they used to be, or people are getting like a little more savvy about it. Or if I just don't hang around with people who talk about urban legends the same way.
1: Yeah. I mean, I I know that I never ate Pop Rocks and drank soda (laughs) or Mentos. I think there was the same thing about Mentos and soda. Now,
0: to be fair, if you drop Mentos into a bottle of diet soda that has NutraSweet, it will fizz up quite a bit.
1: So, yeah, no, I never did that. Have a little fear of it, I think.
0: (laughs) Well, you know what you're getting for Christmas this year?
1: Pop Rocks and soda. Yeah.
0: So kind of the most famous urban legend of all, do you recall, um, is probably the alligators in the New York sewers. Have you ever heard this one before? I mean, I'm assuming
1: you have. Absolutely. I bet our listeners have too. Um, By the way, just for the heck of it, I went ahead and because I did not know what a group of alligators was called or crocodiles, they're called the same thing, or caiman as well. So do you know what they're called?
0: How about a gharial? Is a group of gharial called the same thing, too? Anyway, go ahead. I I don't know.
1: It's a congregation. Can I get an amen? That's right. (laughs) So, yeah, it's a congregation of alligators or crocodiles. So they're congregating in our sewers.
0: They are indeed. And so this story has been told and retold as if it's true to the point where actually some folks out there listening might be like – I just assumed there were crocodiles in the sewers of New York. And the answer is actually sometimes there might be, sometimes there might have been, and often there are not. I think that's my final uh, judgment on the matter. Did you come up with something different from your research?
1: Um, I found some very different things. I found why it might be possible. So I actually looked at things a little bit differently. I looked at urban legends that were not urban legends <laughs> that were actually true. But what I had looked up, and, and this was pretty cursory. I'm going to admit that I just it was Google search. But basically, the Google search says too cold.
0: Right. And also, just the habitat isn't really like alligator's habitat. Now, interestingly enough, the story sometimes is that the alligators are, have mutated, that they're like these albino or pale alligators that have mutated to live in sewers. But there really isn't any evidence for that, it seems.
1: Oh, OK. But I just want to bring up in 2021 in Raleigh, North Carolina, we had a zebra cobra. And it turned out, <laughs> and this, is, this didn't happen to me, but it happened to a friend. No, right. you can Google it. It's in all the newspapers. People were going crazy on Nextdoor, on Reddit, everywhere. In Raleigh, North Carolina, there was a zebra cobra which is
0: sounds like a mythical creature in and of itself. It's
1: it's habitat is nowhere near its natural habitat is a whole nother continent. And what ended up happening, and this is where I do get a little fuzzy because there was some debate about this, but apparently it got out and it wintered in Raleigh, North Carolina. Now, The owner didn't say that it had gotten out because he had many, many other dangerous, uh, venomous animals. And I think he didn't want to alert authorities, but although he had been bitten before by one. Anyway, I digress. What happens is it, it, it did winter. We don't know. They don't know if it wintered in someone's home, but what they do know is come spring, somebody found it on their porch. Yikes. And this thing had been out in the winter. Now, In North Carolina, we don't get terribly cold winters, but apparently, I mean, if you were to talk about, yeah, I saw a zebra cobra, they would say no way. They couldn't have wintered throughout the winter here in Raleigh.
0: And just to be clear, like a a zebra cobra isn't in my best imagination right now has like an actual equine four legged quadruped with the head of a cobra, which would be kind of boss, actually.
1: Well, like a cobra, because it is, it can spit, and that was what people were concerned about.
0: <laughs> but it's just, it's just a cobra with stripes, right? It's not an actual. Yes,
1: app. it's a, it's a striped cobra. But I mean, it's, it spits. I mean, apparently, it wasn't particularly, you know, aggressive, and they caught it on us, uh, one of those glue traps. That's how they oh. finally found it. But Ooh, for a couple days, this was like the news in in a Raleigh.
0: God bless whatever intern had to unstick the glue trap from said zebra cobra. Yeah. Yeah, I know All how right. that process works and it's not fun. Um, so, so I'm
1: like the worst one where I'm like, okay, Eric, you tell me that that couldn't have happened, but maybe it did.
0: <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're also, we're flipping our usual roles here again, I think. So yeah. the New York Times did a great little like kind of look back on February 26th of last year, 2020. And a, a writer uh, for the New York Times by the name of Corey Kilgammon did a story about The past stories of alligators in the sewers found in the New York Times, which is one of the papers of record of New York City, of course. And it goes back all the way to, well, he was talking about the metro area. But in 1907, we get the first reports of alligators in New Jersey, not New York. But between 1970 or 1907, excuse me, maybe 1920s and 30s through to the 50s, one of the things that may have been responsible for a lot of reports of alligators is the fact that you could straight up buy alligators like from the back of comic books or from roadside stands down south and that people would, in fact, buy these animals and keep them, you know, for apparently a very little amount of money. And they would keep them for a little while. And, of course, alligators tend to get big. They might be cute when they're first born, when they're first hatched. And they're only a couple of inches long. But eventually, you know, they're going to get to be five, six, seven plus feet long. And at that point, it's really beyond the ability of most people to take care of an animal. Predatory reptile that, that is that big. And people did let them go. Now, here's the thing that... And you were just saying this too. The climate of New York is not one that is good for alligators. That alligators kept out in the winter of New York are going to die unless there's some place they can be where it's warmer. So if someone bought a baby alligator and took it home and then it got too big to care for and they set it loose, it would probably only live a couple months to maybe a year before winter came. And that would unfortunately be the end of Mr. Alligator. So I think a lot of the alligators that were caught in the 1920s through the 1950s were probably these pets that were bought either through the mail or on these roadside stands and then released, and then they didn't last long.
1: But Eric, what about our manatee? That What about Baltimore's manatee that wasn't supposed to be able to survive the winters in Baltimore? Did it? It, But it
0: didn't survive the winters in Baltimore. It would go back home. That's the thing, right? Is that manatees, you know.
1: Did you not say it mm. had sort of a torpor one year? They found it and it got too cold for it. But it did live.
0: Yes. And well, poor Chessie kind of got confused that year and didn't get home in time. But his other forays to the north, he's come north and then swam back south before it got cold because he can't handle cold weather. I don't think alligators are that smart or that mobile. (laughs)
1: Casting aspersions on poor alligators.
0: I, I think they're one of those animals whose eyes are literally bigger than their brains.
1: No, they're the chicken of the uh, <laughs> reptile world.
0: In more ways than one. You ever had it? Have you ever eaten alligator? You live in the South.
1: Yes, I'm, I have actually, but it was uh, on a trip to New Orleans.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Does it taste like chicken?
1: You know, it was alligator jerky, so it just tasted like jerky.
0: Okay. So you have an actual story of an alligator or an alligator-related story that might explain some of this?
1: Well, so kind of. As you're saying, people bought them. They went and bought them down south. In the 1930s and 40s, there was actually a man named Henry Trefflick who had a pet store in Manhattan. In lower Manhattan, he had a pet store where you could find a lynx, uh, chimpanzees all sorts of snakes, um, and all sorts of exotic animals. So like lions, tigers, leopards, elephants. (laughs) Was it called like,
0: you know, what was this guy's name again?
1: His name is Henry Trefflick, and was I believe it, like, it was just his exotic pet store. I was
0: imagining it's called like Henry's Unwise Purchases or something. <laughs>
1: yeah. Well, you could do this. And I, actually, I was listening on YouTube. There's a video, and it's by a man named Dr. Stanley S. Base, who's an interesting fellow in and of himself. But the video is called My Start Natural Healing of Animals. And he talks about, and he lived to 100. I think he just died last year. Uh, he talks about going into the pet store in 1936 or 38 i can't remember but he talks about it and he says actually i shouldn't have even given you all the youtube video to check on because this is an urban legend so i shouldn't cite any of my sources
0: (laughs) but someone once told me
1: stanley base says that he went to he had been interested at 16 in taking care of animals and he had some theories so he goes to the shop with henry Trefflick, and he says um you know he's a 16 year old he says do you have any sick monkeys that maybe are dying because i'm trying to take care of animals can i buy some sick monkeys from you
0: <laughs> which might be our band name for the weekend can i buy a sick monkey
1: <laughs> or sick monkeys from you so no Trefflick sells him the monkeys <laughs>
0: <laughs> i mean to be fair how often does someone come in that you can unload your sick monkeys on the guy's probably like henry's like cha-ching you know
1: And then, um, yeah. So he sells them. I think in '36, five dollars. 1936, five dollars was quite a bit. And he said he got like two monkeys for twenty (laughs) dollars. Two sick monkeys for
0: twenty bucks. And
1: he he takes his sick monkeys home again, still in Manhattan. (laughs) And he takes his sick monkeys home, and he tries to put them on a diet that makes much more sense. Like they were eating grains and he puts them on a diet of fruits and the monkeys live and he has these monkeys, but I just thought it was really interesting. So this is the kind of guy Henry Treflick is. He's a character. He's a German immigrant. Um, he comes from Thuringia, which we mentioned Thuringia before in Germany. And he, Ends up in New York, stays in New York, and starts this business. So he gets this job, and he en- actually ends up selling animals for a very long time. He sold cheetah, the primate, in a companion of Tarzan. So hmm. his animals were famous. It said the MGM lion was a Henry Treffek lion. These are all things that were in New York. And he said in one article that he kind of got bored and would release animals to kind of get publicity.
0: Unbelievable.
1: <laughs> so there's a, a story I heard from a friend. No, it was in an article in the New York Times, an older article. Or no, sorry, the New Yorker. And he talks about a hundred monkeys getting loose accidentally and going through the streets of Manhattan. This Happened more than you would expect. So it does sound like sometimes he just let some animals loose to get business rolling. <laughs> so the, you can see what the
0: heck of a business model. I'm sorry.
1: <laughs> Things were wild. <laughs> No pun intended. (laughs) So he's he's sending animals out. So you can kind of see where you might start getting an idea if you're walking down the street and there's some capuchin monkeys or chimpanzees. That alligators in the sewers doesn't sound that weird.
0: And I'm sure that some of, you know, if he was, in fact, an alligator releaser. Oh, by the way, I learned something today, too. So a lot of states, not all, but a lot of states have regulations now about keeping exotic animals. And what exactly yeah. constitutes an exotic animal?
1: Oh, oh yeah, Raleigh's going through some. Uh, that's a hot debate in the city of Raleigh right now.
0: I'm guessing the zebra cobras are on the list right now, but
1: yeah, it, it started quite the debate.
0: <laughs> no kidding. But right now, in a lot of places, if you have an exotic animal and you set it loose intentionally, you could be up for some pretty steep fines.
1: Oh, I imagine
0: because right now they're having a serious problem with big uh, pythons in uh, southern Florida. Because folks have let, you know, they buy small pythons, you know, Burmese pythons or whatever from a pet store. And those those bad boys can get like, you know, eight, nine, ten feet long or more.
1: Well, and that's the thing, right? You're talking about sewer alligators in New York and the winters are too harsh to them. What happens if you let an animal loose in a habitat that actually suits them pretty well?
0: And the answer to that can be found in Southern Florida right now with these pythons or, you know. Yes. Yeah.
1: And the answer is, as it often is, Florida. (laughs) Right.
0: I think the answer to the python problem, honestly, is to find ways to cook them and make them delicious. And I think that people will, you know, the problem will take care of itself.
1: I think that's a really odd, um, especially since Eric's been a vegetarian (laughs) for a a long, long time. That's a really odd solution coming from you just
0: seems like you know closing the loop man
1: just hey, you threw me on that one
0: basic ecology so i have a story of a guy my guy's a little different although your guy henry the unwise <laughs> henry's unwise animal emporium is really <laughs> something i wasn't expecting um and this is a fellow by the name of teddy may and teddy may had been the recipient of or i guess we should say the first wave of alligator in the sewer stories would hit in the 1930s. One of my favorite stories that seemed to circulate, and this really does sound like an urban legend, was two boys in the Bronx brought had the body of an alligator they were carrying down the street. And of course, you know, when you see two boys carrying the body of an alligator, that tends to start raising questions. And so the boys said, oh, yeah, we found it in the Bronx River, and it's teeming with them. Or I think swarming is the actual adjective. Swarming with alligators. And this swarming caused, with
1: congregations.
0: Yes. It was swarming with a congregation of alligators. And this made, of course, people say, hey, maybe we should go down to the Bronx River and not allow that. So Teddy May, who was a New York City sewer worker, was sent into the sewers to try to root out the alligator problem. Now, here's the interesting thing. At the time, he's quoted in the New York Times as saying, there are no alligators in my sewers flash forward 30 years to the 1960s and the new york times is running his obituary rest in peace teddy may but in his obituary they really talk up the alligator hunt from the 1930s and they make it sound like he led an armed posse into the alligator into the sewers rather to take care of that alligator problem like in a Chuck norris kind of way. But the person who did the investigation last year seems to think that the obituary may have been um, embellished a little. And that perhaps it wasn't so much of, you know, he went in there and with his posse of alligator hunters kicking some alligator tail uh, as much as, you know... Um, who doesn't want to have a great obituary? Just saying.
1: Yeah, I'm going to choose to believe it.
0: Fair enough. Fair <laughs> enough. Let's go with it. Actually, I like it too. Come to think of it, as a matter of fact, I've just in my mind um, imagined Teddy May with Chuck Norris going into the sewers.
1: Well, I think that yeah, I'm mean, where you heard it first here. That's Eric right. saw, an Eric's friend saw this.
0: Friend of a friend. My cousin's friend said this. Like, and I totally it didn't happen him. to him. Didn't happen to yeah, me. I believe it. Totally believe this. Can we start our own urban legends? Can we write a few and like kind of just set them loose in the world?
1: Oh, absolutely. I think that's basically all we're doing here.
0: Like a capuchin monkey. Um.
1: I did see, I did see um, once I did see an exotic animal. I was working as a a barista and um, I looked out the window and there was this muscle man with a um, kangaroo on a leash and um, any attention that I was supposed to be paying to customers was absolutely gone. This like, really built dude carrying a kangaroo having a kangaroo on a leash was all i could pay attention to because it was so bizarre <laughs> like, like the nun with go-go boots yeah and it was you know it's not a large town it was in colorado not a large town so it's just like not something you'd expect to see maybe in a city but not in sort of smaller thighs city colorado so
0: did you see him just... more than once or like
1: oh yeah he was a regular customer
0: <laughs> like he was known as that muscly kangaroo guy
1: this kangaroo guy. Yeah. But the first time I saw him, it was like something. There was also a man who would walk in wearing a forehead jewel, like a really big guy who would wear this jewel on his forehead. And then he'd have a T-shirt with an animal with a necklace with the matching jewel that kind of lit on the animal's forehead. Was yeah, he friends with kangaroo enough. guy? I don't think so. No. Mm. Anyhow, anyhow. Anyhow, I digress. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. So I I was looking up things for urban legends and I found something that absolutely sounded like an urban legend but ended up not being. And I'd actually heard of this because last year in 2020 there was an obituary for a tiger called Ming, Ming the tiger. And Ming the tiger had a really interesting story. He was over at an Ohio sanctuary, so he was living in the Ark Animal Sanctuary, Berlin Center, Ohio, and he dies from natural causes. Sorry, 2019, which to me is last year because um, right. it's probably don't be last year for the next five years. I'm I'm not kidding. <laughs> <laughs> so for the next five years, 2019 will officially be last year but that this tiger dies and there is an obituary and the obituary was something i really did not expect and it starts out in harlem so we're back in new york it starts out in harlem in 2003 and in 2003 people had kind of been there had been this talk around the drew hamilton house a housing project in harlem that There was a really bad, a lot of cat pee smell. That there was something. Somebody had a tiger, and you know, I'd hear that, and I probably would blow it off because I wouldn't think that a person living in an apartment near me would have a tiger, let alone a tiger and yes, a caiman, which is related to the alligator.
0: They and they also form congregations. I hear,
1: and they also form congregations. So there was talk that this dude his name's Anton yates that he had these animals in his apartment now he did not live by himself <laughs> he lived with his mom at one point he lived with his sister they said that during the time he from about 2000 to 2003 you'll see where i'm going with this there were eight children so some of them were family members and some of them were foster children living in this apartment. And um, this all comes to this, you know, okay, there's a tiger. Some guy's got a tiger. Yeah, I hear some guy's got a tiger. But then it got a little more detailed. Yeah, this guy's bringing 20 pounds of chicken to his house every day. What, What are those people eating over there? It's across from a retirement community. So there were kind of jokes that the people in the retirement community were probably saying they saw a tiger and no one would believe them. Oh, no. What ends up happening is that in October, October 4th, 2003 emergency services end up treating Yates for what he calls a pit bull bite. And as he's being treated, they're like, this does not look like a pit bull bite. He had um bites on his arm and claw marks on his leg. And, They get some anonymous tips. They're starting to put two and two together. And they realize that Yates has a tiger. They talk to the local
0: butcher and they're like, yeah, that's.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That's a lot of chicken. It's 40 pound Um, chicken guy. Yeah. So. What ends up happening is that they have to get like their sharpshooter. The the guy has to like rappel down the building. They have to like put in cameras and they see that there is indeed a 450 pound Siberian tiger living in this apartment. Um, It's a five bedroom apartment. So it is roomy, but remember, it's not just for the tiger. There's a lot of people in this apartment and they tranquilize it. They trank it. And Ming freaks out and rushes the window, but luckily there's bars. And eventually they get Ming out of there. They get the caiman, whose name is Al. Um, I'm assuming Al the alligator. Al gets out as well. And there were other. So they finally get Yates to talk.
0: Did they call the tiger Betty? Betty, No, his name's Ming. Oh, right, right, right. Of course.
1: And so they get Yates to talk. And it turns out Yates has been an animal lover since way back. He was going to start a zoo and his mom and his sister are going to help him. He gets like all the paperwork somehow fraudulently, of course, and ends up buying from what I could tell. He actually at one point has two tiger cubs and two lion cubs, a caiman and some other creatures in this apartment. But the zoo plans fall through, and he keeps the ones that he's most close to, which is Ming and Al and a few others. Now, ming three; been there for about three years, but so that's a full-grown, huge tiger. And Yates says that his tiger did not maul him. He's very adamant about this. His tiger did not maul him. What happened was he had brought a kitten home. He brought a little kitty, actually like probably an adult cat, but you know, it's a quick snack for the tiger. Yeah, And he said that the tiger went for it and he got between the cat, the little cat Uh and the tiger to protect the cat. And basically that, you know, he wasn't mauled. It was because he rushed in front of the cat to protect it.
0: To be fair, if a 400 plus pound Siberian tiger wanted to maul you, you probably wouldn't be talking about it.
1: Yeah, that's kind of what he said. And he kind of, I think he, you know, kind of referenced Siegfried and Roy, like what happened. That was terrible. He's like, mine was just nothing. But he does end up having to face charges. They face reckless endangerment charges. He does a plea bargain and he admits guilt right away to save his mom because his mom's there and he doesn't want to have her go down for, you know, children in the apartment. So They put him in jail for, I think, three and a half months. And apparently now, flash forward later, he is actually in Arizona and works with animals again. It was really interesting hearing him talk, watching some videos, hearing him talk, because he does have a lot of knowledge about animals. He's self-taught, and he just was really passionate about it. Should (laughs) he have had an apartment? No. But... I'm looking at some weird laws and some of the animals that you can have in New York state. I don't know what city or borough laws are, but one I looked at was that you can have a binturong and one you could have was a kinkajou. Now, binturongs are pretty chill from what I understand. They're very docile. um,
0: I used to work with one.
1: But um, I've been to the Carolina Tiger Rescue here in North Carolina, and they call kinkajous the devil's teddy bears.
0: Those are monkey-like. I mean, they're in the raccoon family, but those are monkey-like a, in their yeah, temperament. Yeah,
1: they have prehensile tails. Right. And they say that they go for the eyes.
0: <laughs>
1: I got stories, man. <laughs> yeah. And so they, um, yeah, they're not, they're cute, but you don't probably want to have one in your house, but that's legal. You can if you want. If you want your eyeballs eaten out, they'll let you. So I just thought it was really interesting. It leads to a lot of questions about safety, about what kind of animals you can have, and where maybe some of these urban legends are coming from. That's why I'm like, maybe there are some truth to it. Maybe there are sewer alligators. You're next going to tell me that there's not ninja turtles and they're mutated rat trainer, right?
0: Far be it from me to ever doubt the veracity of Ninja Turtles.
1: That like pizza, right?
0: Hey, you know what? That's true. Mm -hmm. I mean, what what do I got here? I do have kind of thoughts that I was thinking as you were telling your story. Number one is if you're going to start like your own little zoo, like your little startup zoo, I'm not sure that starting it like within a subway ride of like one of the best zoos in the entire world, the Bronx Zoo, is a good business model. Just throwing that out there. You might want to open your zoo in maybe like a different market. Just saying.
1: Yeah, but does the Bronx Zoo let you like chill with the tiger on the couch watching <laughs> we YouTube? We no, all know the answer to so. that,
0: right? <laughs> and second is actually just a fun, a fun little fact. Uh, I have heard from a friend. <laughs> <laughs> I have heard. I don't know this for a fact, but I have heard, and I believe it to be true, that. If you take a domestic cat cuz domestic cats will hang out with each other, right? Like I've had like 3 and 4 cats at a time. Currently I have one and I don't think he plays well with others, but I'm not going to I'm not going to test that. But cats will hang out with each other. They'll they'll be social. And that's unusual for a lot of cats. Lions being the exception. Lions of course have prides, but cats tend to be solitary animals. But if you expose a smaller cat like a lynx say or a bobcat to a domestic house cat they will teach the cat the wild cat to be social and i kind of love that Hmm. i kind of I, if that's not true i want it to be true and i want it to be true in my universe because i love the story
1: well you heard it from a friend so it must be
0: <laughs> i did
1: also just to throw it out there before we sign off a group of tigers there's two names for them a streak or an ambush and uh, i kind of like <laughs> ambush better
0: right it depends right depends on how soon you see it i think
1: yeah it depends on it, if you knew they were in the apartment or not <laughs> right. all right folks <laughs>
0: so that's what we have for our our wacky animals of new york stories
1: thanks for listening and we'll be back in 2 weeks Wado. take care
0: Jackalope
1: carnival.
0: Um. <laughs> I, I know some priests who would agree. Um, that's. A, I might cut that out. Anyway. <laughs>